You're tuning in to episode 97 of the Dawson D Show, but before we get started, we just wanted to say a huge thank you to all of you. It's great to see so many new people listening week in and week out. We couldn't do the show without you. So guys, keep telling your mates about the show. We love having you guys on board. Now in today's episode, we sit down with former AFL player Jared Grant. Jared played 81 games for the Western Bulldogs and 14 games for the Gold Coast Suns, booting 94 goals across his 10-year career. Jared talks about the ups and downs of being an AFL player from the highs of being drafted to pick five and kicking six goals in a game to the lows of being delisted and the rawness of that feeling. But guys, Jared is a bloody funny bloke and this podcast was full of laughs. He shared some of the great Rocket Eats sprays, including the one that's been going around social media the last couple of years, the prank Barry Hall played on him that you won't believe, and the infamous Tripwem interview that sparked him into a cult figure across the AFL when Gary Lyon dropped the nickname Microphone Head. Jared shared one particular story that we couldn't believe that happened at the midway point of a season. I won't give it away just yet, but your ears will prick up when you hear this one involving coach Brendan McCartney. We talked about pre-season camps, playing alongside superstars like Gary Ablett Jr., the Bulldogs Premiership win of 2016, and so much more. So sit back, laugh, and enjoy our chat with Son of the West, Jared Grant. Welcome to the Dawson D Show. Smashing societal pressure and unlocking your secret ambition. Now, Doss, are you ready for our next interview? Deep. I'm ready. Now, let's go balls deep. Sons of the West. <laughs> Great start. We've got a son of the West. Yeah, and you've been waiting eagerly for a bulldog to come through these doors, and now you've got one. Well, the word nuffy, where do I sit on that word, you reckon? You're quite high up. This is a, this is a bloke that used to go the footy... Paint his face red, white, and blue. Sleep in. Still bulldog. do. Yeah, so we've got enough here. Uh, Jared Grant, welcome to the Dawson D Show. Thank you, guys. Um, good to be here on a Friday. When I was the son of the West, they actually didn't let us have beers on a uh, Friday before the game, but <laughs> things have changed. Local footy, uh, it's good. The Bombers. So how are you feeling, mate, in terms of... Let's talk about the Franks and Bombers for a moment. How are they going for the rest of the year and finals bound? Uh, I'd like to hope so. It's probably the only reason I'm playing anymore. It's the uh, <laughs> ultimate success, but... Um, we're going okay. We had a good win last week for all those adamant followers of local footy. Um, <laughs> yeah, the worldwide podcast is. No doubt all the listeners were keen to get a uh, Mornington Peninsula rundown yeah, of what the league's NFL. doing. But, Live uh, scores and stats right here on the Dawson Day Show. Franks and Bombers defeated Bomb Beach last week and got Edafail tomorrow. So, yeah, a few more beers probably. Uh, yeah, lids off. Has it been hard transitioning? into local is local really a lot rougher and scruffer like is it is it is it harder to play some say it's harder yeah well my physique doesn't really um, suit the contested <laughs> game so um probably the difference is just obviously ball movement and even the size of the ground you know i'm not potting any of my current teammates but you, you go from some you know elite kicks within australia to um some guys kicking a bit of uh, mud before they hit the ball. and yeah. um, <laughs> uh, It's probably just a little bit different in that regard. So it takes a little bit of time to um, adapt, I guess you would say. But um, no, obviously the, the side of things which is a little bit different is you get to enjoy yourself a little bit more off the field and uh, training's a little bit less. So uh, yeah, it's been good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions I always thought for the blokes that come from the AFL or VFL system and they come play local footy, is it almost... Obviously, there's not the same amounts of pressure, but there's a different pressure because now you're the man, like you're the you're the team, like you're the one that the crowd comes to watch. A lot of the game plans run through you or those group of guys. Is there a different kind of pressure in that regard? Yeah, I think the tickets, the, the gate hit around 250 last week. So <laughs> <laughs> the turnstiles are ticking. And, and I'm on half of that, you know, incoming. So, um, <laughs> yeah. oh, yes and no. Like, obviously, 
you know, there's an expectation of obviously where you've been and whatnot. Yeah. I think that internally, you know, you have some high hopes for yourself. This year's probably been my best year, to be honest, and it's just been a bit of a, not lack of care, but, you know, I'm getting old now, so yeah. it's just more about going out and enjoying every, every time. Yeah. Uh, the pressure's somewhat off, so... Don't know, you know, whether that correlates to my performance with uh, less cares, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's going good this year. Nice. And uh, you're just telling us your life is a sparky that's coming into into a groove now. Yes. <laughs> is that not what we you didn't want that brought up? No, no, that's fine. We can oh, cut that out. No, no, I don't know if I'm a sparky as such. The um, boys that I work with would definitely say I'm not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, doing an apprenticeship at the ripe age of 32. So beautiful. Tafe today before uh, coming in here and yeah, hanging out with 17 and, and 18 year olds is a little strange, you know, I've gone from the times where I was at their age, now I want to get the work done and yeah. Yeah. they're all uh, stuffing around and wasting my time basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I was going to know what you're going to say. <laughs> I know what you were going to say. Well, it brings back a couple of stories for me. D actually, before he became a uh, podcaster. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Um, <laughs> He did a, a carpentry apprenticeship, or was it a cabinet making apprenticeship? Something like that, yeah. I don't woodwork, remember. something to do with woodwork. So, year ten woodwork. Year ten yeah, woodwork. Basically, I was I was looking for a ticket out of school. So he's of a night, Wednesday night after school. Good memory. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, well, yeah, I remember. Isn't that that's not great, is it? Wednesday night after school, we'd go to Chisholm in Frankston, and he'd go into the class, and you know, not not interested. Well, there was three. St Kilda players who were in the class with him and weren't the finest craftsmen either. No, um, so one of them's still in the system, but it was it was oh, Dean, yeah, yeah. Dean Polo, Raf Clark, and Reece Stanley was in the classroom. And suddenly, my because I was I was one of those seventeen or even younger sixteen or seventeen year old blokes. A couple of them were Frankston Bombers boys actually, who just we pissed the teacher right off. Like because we firstly we were shit at what we were doing, and secondly we had no interest. And then the Saints boys were rocky up, and all eyes were on them, and they were the big boys in town so yeah but that didn't last long did it no no school there whatsoever no no not at all Let, i want to ask jared about so when you were at school when you were 15 16 was footy always the direction you wanted to go and what was kind of your backup plan yeah well no backup plan for starters it all just you know kind of happened i was a, a kid that loved playing sport as any kid yeah. does whatever sport that be I just played a lot of footy and I was good at it. You know, I'd never really worked hard or, you know, it just came naturally to me, um, yep. which I was very fortunate for. It was probably um, around when I was 16, I got picked to play in Victorian team. Yep. And then from that state carnival, I got picked in the All-Australian team and it all became very realistic that there was a possibility. So from that year of, you know, being 16 to 17, yeah, AFL dream became... Not, not an expectation, but it was definitely a want. Yep. Um, and, you know, the trainings and teams that I was playing for, we got better and better. And, um, yeah, I was just performing and playing really well. So I never worked another job before I, I got drafted. And I was lucky to spend 10 years in the system. But, you know, I'm doing an apprenticeship now as a mature age at 32. I never knew what I wanted to do and until mm. I finished footy. And, uh, you know, whether um, electrical is exactly what I want to do in the rest of my life, I'm not sure. But... Until you, you know, try something, you never know. So yeah. I did real estate, sold your mum's house, luckily. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, back in the day. So that didn't work out for me. It was, you know, just not what I wanted to do. Yeah. So moved on and find myself here. And yeah, it's, it's even though I'm 32, still trying to find my feet. And it's like a 16, 17-year-old when yeah. you go, what do you want to do? You know, swiping groceries at the uh, local supermarket. But, you know, until you try something, I, I think it's very hard to know what you want to yeah. do. Yeah. It's a good point, and it's one that we like constantly. Before we got now, it's not going to be serious. And we've gone down the most serious track possible, which we love, but we'll, we'll gas bag about soon. But in your, whether it's your 20s into your 30s as well, 
even like my mum will still say she she doesn't know what she wants to do and she's mm. in her fifties. It is a, it's a weird time for for any person in their twenties. Knowing what you want to do is it's easier said than done, don't you reckon? Oh, I think so. Well, until you try things, um, you know, you might find the most rarest of things that really entertained you. So. It's a difficult one. Always encourage. I'm sure you guys have plenty of people on here that say, you know, encourage people to step out of their comfort zones and, and try new things. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Trying, <laughs> I'm trying to Carlton Drive at night. Um, wouldn't have gone for that normally, but here we go. Yeah. Oh, I tried to go the most tradey kind of drink. I knew you were coming from Chisholm or from uni, and I was like, oh, what's what, what are the tradies like? Uh, probably a Bundy down at Frankston Chisholm. Or... <laughs> yeah, Bundy. I was, well, I was going to go a goon sack. Yeah, right? pale ale, a goon. Yeah, that, <laughs> a goon it's been a while since I've had a goon sack. Yeah, a clothesline out the back. We can yeah, what have been that's right. 16, the last. Anthony Tackax's house, I think. Yeah, that's a throwback. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, straight out with it. Um, I'm interested because you said like it became a bit of a want at some stage. So, did your behavior change in terms of. Like your training, for example, do you, are you now going after an AFL dream at whatever age, 15, 16, 17, where it's become a reality, you've clearly got the talent, and you were a high, very high draft pick. Did you change your training habits, your eating habits, like when you decided you really wanted to go for it? Probably not, to be honest with you, okay. which is, you know, probably not the right answer. Um, all the kids out there, sorry. Um, <laughs> it was, no, it was probably not until I actually, it became my job and I was on an AFL list yeah. and probably had a lot more visual of what the expectations were and yeah. what the requirements were you know when i was a 16 17 year old I still wanted to enjoy my life and my my growing up and yep. you know going to a house party on a saturday and going out with your friends and having a four pack of red cruises and, um, <laughs> you, you know that's what i should have bought yeah having, right. <laughs> having a, a, a good time as well so i don't regret you know you're a kid once you, you only yeah. live your life once so you know i was still dedicated to my trainings playing on game day you know i wasn't going out drinking the night before a game or anything like that but yeah not until i actually got into the system where yeah. you know a lot of things changed and you know the weight um you know became a bit of an expectation yeah the weights oh my weight no i shouldn't shouldn't use that word <laughs> <laughs> thank you Dos. no i didn't mean that i'm not even lifting weights like uh yeah i've done a few of those in my time it just doesn't work for me really yeah well i need a bit of motivation i'm struggling to get to the gym at the moment have you got a training, like think of the worst possible training. I'm sure you've been on some pre-season camps and, and some things like that. What's what's the worst drill that you've done or a horrible experience? Probably a few. Early days, they first to third year, they told us we were going on a little camp for a weekend. Bring your boogie board, your golf clubs if you like. We're going to go away. <laughs> so boys have all, um, you know, I'm pretty excited, whatnot. Got on a bus. We're driving out towards Ballarat. Not that I even knew where Ballarat was when I was that old. <laughs> and we stopped the server and they're like, oh, this might be the last meal for a while. Well, there's a Maccas here and, a, and it was like a BP and a Maccas. And they're like, oh, yeah, just get some Maccas. It's like AFL club telling you that you can get Maccas. And like, it just doesn't happen. Um, so a couple of the boys are tucking into a little bit of Maccas. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to fall for that one. Oh, um, oh. oh, I just got something at the server, a sandwich or something. But anyway, we ended up out in like Ballon or Wallen or something like that. And uh, they're like, all right, get off the bus. So we all get off the bus and it was like an SAS instructor or like an ex-army guy out in a nature park where there's basically nothing and um yeah he basically just i don't know how to describe it but it's just uh annihilated yeah you. just wore <laughs> us into the ground so i think we went two days straight with about two hours sleep yeah it was um not a great experience and then we ended up getting the bus back and we got the bus back in the morning and then we had to train with the senior group so like literally oh, 40 hours 48 geez. hours of no sleep they 
they chucked us in the deep end with the um, older boys. So that was one early days, which, you know, just mentally resilient-wise yeah. um, was a really good one, but at the time was not a good <laughs> yeah. one to be involved in. Who do you reckon's mastermind behind that? Is it is it the sports science or is it a coach? They're probably not even allowed to do it anymore. Nah, everyone's nah. so precious and, um, you know. Well, that ev- whole Adelaide thing has probably scared everyone. Everyone's mental and, you know, everyone's different these days. So you've got to be really cautious about what you do. But oh, for me, obviously, the, for the body, it wasn't good. But your mental resilience, I think, how far you can go to cross that line. Yeah. You know, Adelaide of previous years obviously became a huge thing. But, you know, I, I think I was better for it. Whether I'd go out and do it again tomorrow, probably not. <laughs> Fair enough. A bit different to the Bombers pre-seasons, I'm sure. Yeah, we normally have a piss up at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Down to um, yeah, the deck hotel and yeah, um, yeah, a couple, of, couple of schooners. Did you see over your time in the system a, a change in that kind of attitude toward training in terms of, like you said, like everything's become a bit more precious now and punishment. We're talking earlier with our guest about it. Like back in the day, if you had a bad loss, like you'd get punished for training and you know running 400s or 500s or 800s and... Now it's more, you know, we'll review this and everyone gets a kiss in the cuddle and we'll do better next time. Come, Did you see that shift? Yeah, more monitored in terms of the sports science and the fitness staff yep. became a lot more, not in control, but they had a lot more say in terms of what the coaches were allowed to do. Yeah. Um, and like in season, there's just no time for them to, yeah. to flog you as such. They're all mm. about recovery until Tuesday, Wednesday, and then you got a main training session and then you're into a game. So. Yeah. In the season, oh, best job in the world. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As long as you're winning, if you're going no good. It's a treacherous time of coming in on a Monday and going through the review and going, oh, shit, when, uh, this play, yeah, I stuffed up here. Yeah. I'm going to get called out. From when I first started, sports science and fitness staff definitely taken a lot more of a, a bigger role in terms of what happens. Yeah. Did you look forward to the Monday review or was it, a, was it something that, if you did something good, you were keen, you're ready for it, you wanted to... We're just kicking back. Yeah, when yeah. you're kicking five goals, or or you just hated reviews in general. Are they boring? Are they like, I've worked a little bit in the system, and like, to me personally, it's just very draining, like watching it over and over, but it could be different. Yeah, coaching-wise, like, in terms of they go over the whole game, they rewind and, you know, edit and record so they watch the game live and then they go home and they watch the game yeah. maybe once maybe twice in terms of how much time they put into it ridiculous like don't envy it yeah i can't i can't recall like you know we obviously had good winning times when i was at the bulldogs but like i don't recall any of those reviews but yeah. you always recall the ones when we didn't play well or we're going shit and you're like oh monday yep got to get in yeah <laughs> and it's all it was always the last thing on a monday so you do your recovery and everyone was flat wandering around not much banter going on and then you just got to get into that review. And um, yeah. you always knew if you stuffed up or missed a tackle or something yeah. that it was going to pop up. There's never any yeah. good. There was, it wasn't a highlight reel. It was, <laughs> yeah, always, yeah. It was always the <laughs> RFIs that, uh, that got you. So, But I think you know you learn from everything and it's got to be done as much yeah. as people hate it and whatnot. It's got to be done to get better. Yeah. And how long do those sessions go for typically? Oh, depends on the loss. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Oh, typically half an hour and then you might do a line you, you always do an individual tape as well which you know for me was always not a highlight reel it was you know <laughs> what can you do better yeah yeah probably an individual maybe 10-15 minutes yeah. and then a team which was always a Monday Arvo normally maybe half an hour yeah yeah nice who did you because um, I, I don't know why but first of all I just remember I think it's because it's Instagram I remember like constantly seeing you and Daniel Jensen accuser always interacting on Instagram over the years <laughs> Was he like who? Who are the boys that you were you were close with and had good chemistry on field and off field with? Yeah, yeah. I 
strange in the fact that I probably get on with all age groups. Like I can yeah. get on with the young guys and I could, you know, get on with the older guys. And then there was my age was probably around the middle. So didn't find it hard to hang out with anyone as such. Um, I probably did gravitate to a few of the older guys a little bit more. Why, I don't know. Yeah, I used to obviously shared my locker with Bob Murphy. So spent a lot of time listening to his wisdom and um, yeah. and weirdness to a degree. Um, <laughs> And yeah, Jair, I, I used to um, I used to play a few pranks on him, and I used to uh, get under his skin pretty easily. Got any and stories? He, uh, not as such, but I, I just used to push his buttons, yeah. and, and, and he knew it. And um, I used to post a real bad photo of him every Thursday and call Fottle Thursday. He used to hate it, then I'd I always tag him in it, and yeah, that was what I was doing with him. But um, yeah, I'd, probably a few of the older guys who, who had a fair bit of success um, and were really good 200-plus game players, yeah. which is probably a good you know, role models to hang out yeah, with as well. Sure. Not, not only on the field in terms of what we're doing with footy, but just life in general as well. Yeah. When you came in, when you were first drafted, were all the new draftees treated equally or were you treated differently because you were a high draft pick? Or were there more expectations? Was there more? I often hear high draft picks talk about when they walk into a club and they've been drafted so high, there's like a target on their back as such because a lot of them walk in and they're expected to play pretty quickly and you hear those kind of stories. Did you experience anything like that? Yeah, I think... Not you don't hear it as such, but like if I'm at a footy club now, you know who our first draft pick was, so you think yeah. they're probably the best out of the crop. Yeah, my draft year, I went number five. Eastern Wood went in our fifth round, and yeah. he was our premiership captain. So yeah, yeah. it's not to say you know players aren't going to develop, and there's many a story of rookie listed players or, yeah. or guys who went late round becoming you know great players. Yeah. The only game I reckon I was ever, you know, given as a player was my first game. Yep. <laughs> and it was literally Rocket gave me a game to just give me a taste of what the expectations were, what the AFL standard running was, yep. you know, body wise. That's the only game I reckon I ever got given and everyone after that I reckon I earned. But yep. um, I reckon once you walk into those those four walls and yeah. it's basically, you know, there's 40, I don't even know how many, mm. we're probably up to about 60 on the list these days. But <laughs> it's basically the best 22 is going to get picked. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you've come from or, or what your background is anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned Rocket. You had him at the Dogs, but then also did so you would have had... Rocket, Brendan McCartney, did, you had Bevo for a year. Yes. And then Rocket again? Yes. Yep. Yep. So you've spent most of your time with Rocket. Yes. I'm assuming <laughs> the wisdom, you've learnt the most from him, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> or Scott sprayed the most. Um, it's a difficult one. He, he was my favourite coach. He, he always backed me in, which, um, you yeah. know, I was lucky enough to get another two-year deal at the Gold Coast basically because he was coach. So, you know, I owe a lot of my AFL mm-hmm. career to, to him. In terms of wisdom, he always used to tell me that I should kick Stevie J snaps instead of drop punts at goal. Really? Um, that was one of his main points of wow. wisdom Isn't towards me. that funny? Because you think everyone goes, drop punt it, drop Especially punt Especially old school coaches, yeah. 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 yeah, he liked the way I snapped the ball, so and obviously not the way I drop punted. <laughs> Which most people at local footy now would probably say the same thing. Yeah. Um, and in terms of wisdom, geez, I don't have much more for you. He was, uh, the way, the thing that suited me was he was a attacking game style coach. Yeah. And obviously being a forward, um, that suits us quick Licking your lips. quick ball movement. Yeah, so quickly. I really suited the way his game styles work, which is probably why I you know, performed and he liked having me in the team. 
um, in terms of what he taught me, he's probably the least out of all the coaches. But, um, <laughs> you know, he was an old school coach and, you know, basically he got the best out of his players, I thought, anyway. Like, you've just recently listened to a podcast with him on it. Yeah. Well, it was pretty interesting. I listened to one during the week with him talking about coaching at the Dogs. and It would have been before your time, but he very quickly identified that skillful and quick and build a game plan around that rather than coming in with these premeditated ideas of, you know, game plans and this is how we're going to play. He very much suited his game plans to the team he had and the group he had. And I thought that was pretty, like, like wise to hear from a lot of coaches because mm. a lot of the really experienced ones seem to have, you know, it's my way or the highway. Mm. Oh, definitely. Brendan McCartney was probably a little bit that way, the coach I had after Rocket, which is okay, but um, when you're getting flogged and it's not working and there's not really an alternative to where you're going to, that was probably the downfall. Yeah. But in terms of what he actually did for the footy club prior to the premiership, it's very underrated in yeah. terms of the doggies that year that they won the flag were the best in contested ball. Yeah. And his mantra was contested ball coming from the Geelong and when mm. they won all their premierships. That was his really big one would. So it's interesting. And, um, you know, he his impact, Brendan McCartney, on the group probably really gets under a lot really undersold on, you know, what they've done. Um, he went to Melbourne, and a lot of the young guys who are now flourishing, he yeah. had. He was looking after the first of four-year players, I think it was. Right. Okay. So you know, there's these little people behind closed doors that you don't really know about. You know, you see, he was a senior coach, got sacked very quickly. Yeah. Oh, he's no good. Well, you know, maybe that just wasn't the right role for him, and he's yeah. had some really great yeah. successes away from that. I, as a doggy supporter, I'd go to a lot of games, and I still remember, like, the doggies were actually in a lot of those games. So like especially towards the end of McCartney's kind of time, it was half-time or three-quarter time or, like, they were within the game. Yeah. But I I don't know, you'd know more than me because you played, but, like, the contested game is just so draining. And I'm sure, like, it just takes its toll over and over, like, for... They were a young group, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I was lucky to have two contested possessions in a game, so um, (laughs) I probably probably didn't suit his game style as such, but... um, Luke Beveridge came in and yeah. he's come from a Hawthorne system where, you know, their ball movement time he was there was really, really, you know, quality. He's brought a lot of Hawthorne guys in that kick the ball in Suckling, Jeray, yeah. um, even O'Brien this year. Yeah. So he's, he's brought in a lot of that game style. So they already had the contested sorted, but there just wasn't a flowing game style. And um, once Luke came in, the foundations were there as such and, you know, mm. he kind of reaped the rewards to a degree. Yeah. What's... Um We'd be intrigued to hear this because we've heard so many times about Rocket blowing up and we've heard about McCartney blowing up. What's the biggest spray you can remember? Maybe not even directed at you, but at a teammate or the group. Yeah, well, Rocket always loved yelling at Brian Lake, um, <laughs> Brian Harris, Brian Lake, whatever he was at the time. Oh, you know, he, and he loved swearing. <laughs> I won't go too many. He loved an F bomb or um, he'd, just go, he'd just go off at Brian like he'd yell out. <laughs> So one story, you can I, swear one, well, one story yeah, I've no. got is so Brian was playing fullback, ball got kicked in, Brian got let up on, and I think it might have been Hawthorne, Buddy Franklin marked it, kicked a goal. So Rockets sent the runner out to Brian. He's like, Brian, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Why aren't you on his man? And this is the runner telling Brian, and Brian's like, you go tell Rocket that Matty Boyd let that fucking clearance come out and that's why I got let up on. How about the midfielder? So Brian sent a message back up to Rocket for the runner to tell him. That's a quality one. But yeah, Rocket loved the spray. In terms of, in terms of me, probably wasn't a spray as such. It was um, middle of the year. 
and yeah, once again, my, my weight was uh, an issue for me at the time. <laughs> I wasn't being strong enough over the ball. And um, this is the middle of the year, middle of AFL season. Brendan McCartney's decided to, to speak to the weights coach at me and decided that I'm going to take a month off in the middle of the year to um, to go on a weights program. So Like a month off footy? Yeah, so in, it's in the middle of the year. No injuries? No, no, I'm all, I'm all clean and yeah, good. And um, <laughs> Just take a month off. Yeah, so we've had a big pre-season. We're 10 weeks in and... Um, yeah, he's what he meant to say to the coach. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you can't do that to me. Like, so I'm just in a grants and um, <laughs> so I went on a um, four week hiatus. I don't even know why they said I wasn't playing. I can't recall why. But um, oh, did they come up with like an injury? Well, you would have had to say. Oh, like, yeah. people would have been like, "Why is he not I playing?" Mean, yeah, so he wouldn't have been playing VFL. No, it wasn't playing just at managed. all. <laughs> so I was being managed, and I was doing, I was doing, I was doing two gym sessions a day. Jeez. One at morning, one at night. Not training, like not even training during the week. Just doing no weights. No, no footy. And I think I had three or four <laughs> weeks off. This is middle of the AFL season. Like five, what year would this so five or six years into my career? <laughs> um, and yeah, so it wasn't a spray, but you know, is that the ultimate clip that um, we don't even want you to play for us anymore? Um, wow, I'm not sure, but it didn't work. So no, I, I, that's ridiculous. I love the um, and it's, it's how does that little bit of Audio get leaked, by the way, from the box of Rocket with um, Will Minson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, we had, do you know what that, year that was? We, uh, that was the 09 was, prelim, I'm pretty sure. It was sure. a prelim, yeah. It's 09. Um, How does it get leaked? That's, well, we all, you got all this gear in here at the moment. Yeah, yeah It's probably easy. Like, there's a lot of computer... If you look in the background of a coach's box, there's a, a lot, lot of stats computers. people and computer yeah. people. and Just voice memos. Just, people yeah. watching the NBA, not even watching the game, but they're, just, <laughs> they're, they're taking recordings. So, you know, the easier it is probably for a computer yeah. to like, take a recording and... Obviously, someone's not there anymore and thought it was pretty funny. And <laughs> as we'd be in trouble. Our, or the not, audio mate. we talked before podcast got leaked out. We'd be fucked. No. <laughs> That'd yeah. be the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. We, we, better not, we better not go to our, our 10 minutes before. <laughs> but <laughs> but in, in saying that, which I love, is just I love Leon Cameron in that clip. Like, just how rocket, rocket, we can't think, we can't think, shush. Like, so composed. And that's kind of come back about when Leon's kind of lost his, or, you know, departed the Giants. Yeah, oh, I don't have much more to add to it. That, that was pretty much. Like, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't think it was a lie. That's uh, that's rocket in that clip, and that was pretty regular. Yeah, oh, God, it's funny. The other bit of audio, the famous audio, and you probably knew this question was coming, is a triple M, the classic triple M that's just turned you into an absolute cult hero amongst the AFL. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're probably sick of hearing it, but because. Well, we had to go back and listen last night. Just well, you had you already obviously you had the nickname Spindle like before this. So, but apparently this other nickname you didn't know this was your nickname. The other one, nah. <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, microphone head. Like, did, um, was that I, a thing or not? Oh, uh, when I was I was probably a bit young and naive that I you know wasn't listening or watching too much footy as such like I never I never did when I played so I was probably a little bit oblivious to it and that interview that I did where I think it was Gary Lyon um, and he asked me and I was really blunt towards yeah. him I didn't really offer much personality in that interview and I probably came across as like yeah flat with it yeah um, 
which it's just grown legs and oh, I couldn't care less what people call me. I get every name under the sun at local footy on a Saturday. So, well, the best oh. part about it is Spud in the background just yeah, he's himself. himself laughing. Yeah, obviously it was a um, it's been a good moment for me that you know made me a bit of a cult figure in whatever degree. And yeah, I lap it up a little bit. I, I'm very easy to have a laugh with, so nothing, nothing really deters me, and I, I find it funny. As so, well. was it going around the footy club? No, no, oh, not really. Because no. the way they make it sound, it's like oh, it's been leaked from inside the club, and then. <laughs> like uh, that's a part we couldn't understand. We're like, what's real and what's not uh, here? Like, playing Cupy Mayo on that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's a great story, and I know it's been told a lot, and I'd love you to share it. Is there's, we we know there's lots of jokes around the footy clubs and lots of pranks, and you mentioned Jair with the prank, and from the outside looking in, you obviously shared a, a four line with Barry Hall for a, a couple of years, and he was great for the dogs. Like, love watching you and Baz together, but you guys played a couple of pranks on each other, and he played one in particular on you that was. Uh, to be honest, it's kind of hard to know how he did it. Can you can you explain that? Yeah, yeah, Barry. Um, so I'll probably learn a couple of things off him in the years that he was there. One that I shouldn't lift weights with him. Um, <laughs> just the way he trained like and went about it. So as soon as it was time to train or time to be in the gym, he was one hundred percent committed to to doing that and getting the best out of himself. When it was time to you know have a bit of fun or you know relax, he was the king of being able to do that as well. Yeah. So he was big on pranks and whatnot, and I had no idea this was happening. But um, I was getting a massage during the afternoon or whatever, and absolutely oblivious, no idea. Like never, never had anything like that happen to me where I just had no idea something's happening. Head down, just just getting my hammies or whatever done. Just keep that PG. Um, <laughs> anyway, you, you get if you've had a massage, you get up and you, you're a bit flustered yeah. in the face and you're a bit dazed because you're half asleep. Maybe this was a special and massage. I, um, yeah, I, wa- I walked out the I walked out the door where the massage is out into the gym area. I used to have a boxing ring with Noble in there. We did boot boxing. Anyway, my car was in there, so the, all the all the four <laughs> corners of the ring was up. Everything was up. My car was in there. And I'm like, <laughs> What's how is my car in there? Yeah, am I, am I because, delirious? Yeah, my car was inside the boxing ring. So a massage normally went for about thirty minutes. So in the time that I put my head down to get a massage, they stole my keys, went and found my car, somehow drove it into the complex. They used to have big roller doors that you could then drive, you know, a vehicle in there. But then they had to take the boxing ring down as well, drive the car in, and then put the boxing ring back up. I walk out of the massage at like four o'clock in the arbor, and you're just like, I just want to go home now. I had enough. And I had to dismantle the whole boxing ring to get my car out and then put it back oh. together because I'm not just going to leave it like on oh, the ground. Mate. So, yeah, pretty quality. There was a photo floating around, and I'd love to get my hands on it. It was just a, uh, what I have, like a Holden sedan just in a boxing ring. Which, um, <laughs> well, there's a photo of it somewhere. Yeah, some, yeah one of the, the managers or the team managers at the time had a, had a photo. So it was um Well, if someone's listening good. that knows where that photo is, we need to get it back. We yes. need it, yeah. It'd be good, it'd be good. What about the transition to the Gold Coast? What was that change like for your career in terms of like you're going from obviously Melbourne, footy town, to the Gold Coast, this new expansion club? Yeah, what was that transition like to go into a, a non-footy kind of town and... And then just a new culture. Yeah, it was hot. First way I'd describe it. I needed air conditioning pretty quickly, but um, nightclubs, beaches. Um, no, nah, I think I think that might be gone. 
Sin City. Sin City. Sin City. Oh, <laughs> Daryl's Paris. Daryl's Paris. Yeah. I didn't make it down. There used to be a karaoke bar that we'd float down to in, in that surfers area. <laughs> Back on track. Um, oh, I really loved my two years there, to be honest. Probably yeah. my, oh, it's hard to say, but it's probably my favourite two years of being on a list. One, because no one absolutely has any idea unless you're Gary Ablett there of yeah. who an AFL player is. Yeah. Um, so you can just go about your everyday life and just be a normal human being. I'm not saying in Melbourne you can't, but... You would have known who I was if you saw me down the street down the Mornington Peninsula. So it's just different in that regard. Yeah. In terms of what they were doing at the time, they're on the trend up at the moment. Hopefully they can sneak into the finals, which would be great for them as a club. Yeah. It just seemed like they were... And I, I use a weird um, computer game analogy of like Age of Empires where you, you know how you you build your base and you have to go up expansion levels. Mm. feels like they were down at level three and everyone else was at four or five. Yeah. Um, it's just taken a lot longer, I think, than they'd like to become, I don't know what to, what the correct word is, but a lot of players departing, just struggling to hold on to players. And it's really hard to retain players when Gold Coast isn't somewhere where grassroots footy is massive. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, Melbourne's huge. Um, more into Peninsula, there'd probably be more players than the Gold Coast as a whole. So they're starting to get some really good buy-in. Hopefully yeah. they can hold their kids. In terms of my time there, I loved my two years. I played 13 games for them. But, right. um, Did you get to play with the GOAT? Yeah, I, th- I played a couple of games with Gaz. Um, it's probably not the greatest time because he'd come off a lot of injuries and this hype of expectation of mm. him getting 40 disposals and kicking a couple of goals. He was very injury-prone in the years I was there, so people were like, who was the greatest player you played with? Or, I see Gaz at training and I'm like, he just can't do anything wrong, but he never got the continuity on the park while I was there. So, mm. yeah, loved my time there and I'd love to live there again. It just didn't work out for me and I ended up coming back to Melbourne. But um, Playing a sunscreen or...? Um, zinc, zinc sponsorship. Zinc, um, zinc sponsorship. You find it funny, but a lot of the boys wear long sleeve skins out there now to Makes avoid sense. getting the Matty sun Rowe, on them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they cover up. It's good though. Sun smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a real it's, thing. Yeah. So. His uncle actually came on the show, who's an ex play for the dogs too, actually, back in the nineties. Or yeah, nice. Yeah, and he actually spoke about skin cancer, so it's not a funny issue. <laughs> the dual face expressions make me laugh. Um, but what was it like with with Gary Ablett? What what is his aura like? What was he? Did you have much to do with him, even at training? Like I know you didn't get on the park much, but just in terms of what he did as a leader of that group? I think he was probably more a leader in terms of he was a very older and senior experienced player at the time. So they had like, from when they first came in, they would have had 30 kids that were 18. So very young, very young list. So, you know, his leadership was probably in terms of the way you train and the way you execute and and things like that. But he's a very quiet and and humble individual. Um, He's not majorly outgoing. You know, we you could have a beer with him on a Saturday or night, but, uh, you know, it wasn't a regular thing. So he, he does keep to himself. And yep. um, obviously coming from a family that's, you know, so huge in terms of the game and being a quiet individual he was, yeah, he just kept to himself, which is understandable. Yep. You know, all your expectations are mm-hmm. that he comes and trains and, and shows the way. So that was my experience of Gaz. And, yeah, obviously amazing player in terms of what he's been able to yeah. do. Mm. Yeah. So you, le- you left the dogs at the end of 2.15. Yep. And then they win the flag the next year. Yeah, they went all right the next year. So, no, 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 I'll say that, in all honesty, was that was it great to see them win or was it a bit kind of like, fuck, like, I've been here for that many years and now they win it. Like, yeah. the reality, I actually was listening to Pod the other day and Gawney was talking on the podcast and saying, all the boys that don't get to play, the reality is, like, they're all hoping someone gets injured. Like, he goes, as nice as it is, be nice. He goes, they all, of course, you yeah. know, like, was there a bit of that or was it, 
bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both. I'm not someone who gets too down about anything. Um, I watched the game and played with a lot of these guys and been really good friends for a large period of time. So Were you in Melbourne for that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. in Melbourne. You know, I watched, hopeful for them, and you want them to do well, and ultimately that's what I'm chasing as well, is the ultimate success. So yeah. you want that for your close mates. Watch the game, and then at the game, at the end of the game when they win and celebrations is probably a moment where you're like, just disappointed that you know you're striving to get to that and, and it didn't eventuate my motto is the sun comes up the next day and mm. happy to be alive and you know on to the next day so so you didn't really, join in the celebrations no nah, i didn't join in <laughs> um probably had a few during the during the game where they couldn't celebrate with me so um yeah it was a it was a tough moment mm. but um you know very very respectful of you know, a footy club that gave me eight years of opportunity and, you know, a lot of close friends that got that For success. Sure. Yeah. Yep. What about too when you're but when you're flying, like we've had a bit of a laugh at like we've watched some highlights earlier, like had some fucking pretty big games, kicked some bags and like what's that feeling like when you're playing at the highest level and you're like the five against Essendon? For example, like six mates, right? Six, oh, shit, six, <laughs> six. Yeah, busted there. Um, glad you, I'm glad you cleared that up. Uh, six, six, yeah, six snags. But when you when you're flying, like that feeling, and you're doing it at the highest level, what's that like? And do you roll into the club on Monday with the, the shoulders rolled back? And yeah, new car line. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of extra mission wraps. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's weird because when you're in form and you're playing well, it's probably the hardest time to when you're not describe what you were doing it's, it's everything's just free flowing and mm. I, you can't put your finger on it yeah the last couple of weeks we kicked four five three goals and you know i'm playing well why i i don't know and then you yeah. you know you hit a bad patch and you're just like why can't i get into that so yeah it's really hard to um you know say exactly why you know you're playing well at a certain period of time but probably just comes down to consistency yeah and, yeah so Ultimately, you know, my last two games at the Gold Coast before I got delisted, I, I kicked seven and eight goals in twos and I, yeah. I got sacked. So, you know, sometimes that's not Gee. enough, mate. It's just not enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what more can you do? Well, that that game, actually, that Bombers game, was that was that the one in the last round? Was it the last round? Yeah, yeah, one in free TV. So, like, Saturday nights, I used to give away the 50-inch TV. Oh, did you get oh, that? Oh, yeah. That a, so, I've always wondered that. Do they actually give it out? Yeah, or got one. Yeah, so sure. I... Um, Sold it? Yeah, it might be no, I've still got it actually. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably the thing I held on to the longest. Yeah, yeah. I think but, um, that was that a Channel Ten thing. I think. Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't really do anything anymore. But I, yeah, that year they gave out a big plasma. Isn't Happy that, with that. Good that? Well, the conspiracy goes around every year. You know, like the mark of the year. There was always a car, but there was there actually a car? Like, nah, I think a toy car. A toy matchbox. car. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well that game. Funnily enough, that last game in 2010. Uh, I can't remember how we got it, but I think I think Rocket was doing a bit of work for Dad and stuff, and we actually got to go in the rooms mm. that, that game. And there was no one else behind the cage. Dad like had a bit of a connection with the club, and he managed. He actually managed Paul Hudson. He's played for the Dogs. So Hutto finished at the Dogs like earlier, and that's when Bob and Gia and these guys kind of started. Dad hadn't seen. Probably Bob Murphy in ten years, like more. And uh, we're behind the cage. I think Jono was injured, and he came over, and we had a good chat. And then Bob just sees us standing there, like walks over, puts his arm through the cage, and says, oh, "Great to see you again, Dicky." Geez, the young fella's grown up a bit, and then goes back and warms up. And I remember, I was a kid. I remember the next day going like footy, telling all the, all the boys, like all the boys at YC, going, "Bob Murphy, you know who I am." Like, uh, <laughs> like, but. He just sounded like, he, was he a great captain to play under? Yeah, yeah, we had a few good captains. Obviously, John Brad Johnson was out, my first one, um, and I came in on the ladder of that. 
But after that, Matty Boyd was captain for a couple of years. His work ethic, him and Daniel Cross, in terms of work ethic, oh, I've never seen anyone do the things that those two push themselves to. Mm. And they just strive to be the best that they could be, but then they dragged everyone else along to be better with them. So yeah, he, his unwillingness to be defeated or you yeah. know, not get the most out of himself was you know something that just brought that team along with him. I'm not sure if Bob was the captain. No, he just, might have been the year I, I left. But um, yeah. in terms of his personality he just had a way of being able to communicate or relate to uh anyone and everyone's story Mm -hmm. um and just like you say there just being able to remember someone's name come over remember that he has a son and i remember that forever Um, like (laughs) and yeah he just had a way of very good at memory in terms of everyone's personality or you know things going on in their life or whether it was personal like that about their their family or whatnot he could just connect on a a level so there's you know there's all different types of ways that people get the most out of others and his was definitely just feeling you just felt a connection with him that um he really cared about you and what was going on in your life and his music taste was a bit yeah terrible he he (laughs) actually it was always a race like whoever would get in first in the morning could put the you you know basically your iphone on over the the loud system and he'd always (laughs) come in and he um he loved like wouldn't say country but like he'd love 80s and 70s music and like you got your you know 18 to 25 (laughs) it's probably our style (laughs) yeah probably ours yeah yeah like we do the two-step you know that song yeah i think i do like he would probably hate that because it was like a country song but it'd been yeah up there as such so yeah um, yeah, his music taste is pretty deplorable. That's funny. We're getting towards the end of this this chat, but I want to ask you one more serious one about the reality of delisting. Do you know it's coming? Do you expect it to coming? And if so, what's that feeling like? Even if you do expect it to to be given the news, and what's that process like? I suppose when you go into the office to have that exit meeting. Yeah, it's a, for me, yes, both times. Oh, I don't know if I should say yes for the Bulldogs, but um, the story goes that the Bulldogs, I came in for my exit interview and I met with Bevo. And this is coming off the back of a year where I played 20 games, played the last final we lost, mm. had a good year, knew I didn't have it. So you always know if you're contracted or yeah, not. Yeah. So there's a little bit of an oh, okay, inkling yeah, yeah. that... Uh, gotcha. Don't know, most guys are signed, so there's always someone has got to you know, get pissed off basically. So I went in and had my interview with him and we actually didn't talk about the year at all or anything to do with how I played or, you know, anything. He just said, I know what you want to know and can't tell you right now whether or not we've got to figure out with our list and whatnot. And that was literally it. So I kind of had to pack my bags, not knowing whether I was coming back or not. So I had to fill up a garbage bag with all my stuff out in my locker. And that was probably a little bit emotional time was leaving the place with your bags, not knowing that you're going to return yeah. or not after eight, eight years. So did that, went over to America for a holiday, um, was in Cancun in Mexico. Yeah. And Bevo rang me and said, sorry, mate, we're not going with you. So that's how I got delisted. I was basically on overseas holiday. Yeah, off the back of playing 20 games. Did you um, kick a couple in the final? Oh, probably. Yeah. Must have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, well, you'd imagine. Yeah. yeah, I reckon you did. And yeah, like literally within 24 hours, like I said before, Gold Coast rang me. Oh, and really? And was Rocket. Yeah. And he just said, what have you What have you done? Have you slept with the coach's wife or what? Like, what, <laughs> you, what, you, what have you done wrong? Like, it doesn't make any sense to us. And I'm like, well, I don't really have anything for you, mate. And he's like, all right. So then 24 hours later, you obviously done some investigating yeah. and realized i hadn't um, done anything bad yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. um yeah they offered me opportunity so i was that quick in terms of you know wow. then getting another chance but in terms of the sons oh, when you get older 
and the team's not performing, uh, normally they get rid of the old dead wood. So um, <laughs> I, I kind of knew that was coming. So that's probably why I enjoyed my last year so much is because I probably knew it was coming to an end. So right, I okay. went out with, you know, a bit of a carefree um, in that terms of that regard. So, yeah, you know, that's how it played out for me. I'm sure some guys go in there and don't actually realise, or they're probably just a bit naive and oblivious. Yeah. That, um, Oh, I'm about to get sacked. <laughs> yeah. I nearly got the sack for working at St Kilda, actually. Betting scandal. Yeah, it's a funny story, but uh, we'll save that for another day. What, what, what do you reckon, mate? Is that, is that probably... Yeah, unless you've got a final... Maybe we lift it up a bit. To, yeah, I was just thinking it. that. I'm like, well, we end the interview on Jared's delisting. But firstly, uh, as a dogs man, loved watching you play over the years. I think, actually... So when Jared was selling our house, probably a few years ago now, oh, I remember it was a very funny, slight comment. I went... Because, obviously, my dad passed away, and we are talking about the dogs, and I went, yeah, that final... Um, in 215 yeah that was the you know the last kind of final i went i went to with my dad and jerry goes yeah i know mate it was my last final too (laughs) 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 i went oh yeah all right yeah i played one final since then and it was in the um nefl with the gold coast reserves and i kicked eight for us so (laughs) no gold coast players ever kicked eight in the final and i'm the only bloke that's done it so even if it was reserves yeah it's pretty good isn't it pretty good could still keep going well do you have a predict who's winning the premiership this year yeah, yeah, you reckon? I yeah. think so. Well, tell t- what's going to be funny. They need an off day. They need an off day. That's the thing. You don't, you don't know, do you? Well, it does happen. It's happened Geelong. a couple of times. Geelong against Hawthorne. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. Mate, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Thanks for making the trek. And week soon we we'll go for another beer. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, mate. D, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And, of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And, of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, D? It's at DawsonD underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.